Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host. Hi, it's Mark, Mark Raven. Welcome to episode 457 of the podcast. It's September 21st, 2022. My guest today is Sam Morgan. You're going to learn more about him in a minute. You might know him if you've attended Katacon. You might know him from his YouTube series, CI and Five. Um, it's a great conversation with Sam here today about um, continuous improvement and coaching and inclusion. You know, how do we include everybody in continuous improvement? How do we have more diversity and representation in attendance at lean conferences, yet alone on stage? We uh, talk about a lot of, uh, I think, interesting and important issues today. So if you'd like to learn more about Sam, you can look for links in the show notes or go to leanblog.org slash 457. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today, joining us from Vancouver, Washington, is Sam Morgan. Sam is a self-proclaimed confident learner. I love this, so we're going to talk about that for sure. And earlier this year, after five years of practice, I love that you use that word also, practice in continuous improvement, he ended up at Katakon, an event I'm sure a lot of you know, a conference for continuous improvement professionals who practice the Toyota Kata, and it was at that event, and we'll, we'll hear about this in Sam's own words. Uh, he had a powerful moment realizing he had a true passion around helping people, transforming people through coaching, and so we'll be talking about that today also. I know Sam a little bit. We've talked before, um, and we he's been part of what I would call the learning and collaboration group. We call it Lean Communicators. And I know him as the host, as you may know as well, of the YouTube series CI in Five. So we're going to flip the tables on Sam a little bit. He has a newly launched website, www.illuminatecoach.com. So that's enough of my rambling and intro. Sam, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. So it's going to be a fun discussion here today. Um, you have a lot going on. There's a lot that you've done. And uh, again, you know, we're going to do a CI in five with you. Did you, Have you ever turned the tables on yourself in your own series? I've never done it on myself, but I, I've often reflected um, on like, what would, what would I say if that were the question was asked of me? So I'll be um excited to to share that and see how that goes. <laughs> this will be this will be like the times when I get asked kind of related to another podcast, well, what's my favorite mistake? Because I ask people that all the time. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So it'll be five words, five minutes. We'll do that as sort of a mini episode within the episode. But um Sam, the the, the one standard question that I ask people here, it would be great to hear your origin story with continuous improvement, you know, kind of some of the details of of how, when, where, why, you know, when, when did you get introduced to all of this? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say that, like, my origin story actually starts, like, back when I was a kid. Like, if I think now about what I've learned about continuous improvement, I think back to a Christmas many years ago um, when I really wanted this robot tape recorder. I think it was called Toby. Toby it was uh -huh. a blue tape recorder with, like, colorful buttons. And I was like so stoked. I wanted this little robot for Christmas. I think it must have been like eight years old, something like that. Yeah. And so when I got it, I did get him for Christmas. I remember that I, of course, I played the tapes in it and I listened to it. But then I was like, hmm, how does this thing work? And so I went to the like the junk drawer, pulled out the Phillips screwdriver, uh. took it apart and looked in and saw like all the capacitors and and resistors and the, the components of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. And eventually I put it back together. Well, fast forward to when um, our company um, that, that I work at, um, the standard, um, they had a, they were rolling out lean. And a couple of my coworkers were like, hey, you should go to this lean 101 class. I think you'd like it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I eventually made it to one and they, you know, did like the basics of what lean was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like from that one class, I started talking to the instructor afterwards. They started asking questions and I went online and started watching videos. I got books. I got into Paul Akers, Two Second Lean. I did, um, I even actually started our own. We had like a, a deployment at our office. Like it was a whole lean management system. 
And I was so excited that I talked to my manager. I was like, hey, like these guys over here, they do this like hoverboard thing. Could we like create one around? I had no clue what I was doing. I was just like, I see that they like do this huddle board in front of like a huddle in front of a board and they talk about their day and what's ahead, what's happened. I'm like, can we do that? And he's like, sure, why not? Let's get ahead of the curve. So I remember the first few weeks we started talking about the eight wastes and like mm-hmm. we put downtime up and like what waste are we seeing and all these things. So that's where I got my start. It just resonated with who I was from back when I was like a kid to right now. And I think about those two pillars of continuous improvement and respect for people. And like how I started learning that I'm like, this all makes sense to me why it just fits who I am. So that's like where I got started then and then how it came back to me now. And then we can talk about how, where I'm at now and the journey from that point to here as well. Yeah. So maybe the most important question, when you put the robot tape recorder back together, did it work? <laughs> I I think it did. I think it did. I think I actually got the stuff to work back together because I don't remember like tossing it away and it not working. I just remember being fascinated with being able to see the inside of like how it worked. And of course, you know, when we do continuous improvement, we're always, we're concerned about the process and how we get the outcome that we get. And I wanted to know, mm-hmm. how is this thing playing this tape recorder in this this robot doing that. And so, yeah, it still works as far as I remember. At least that's the story I'll tell myself, even if it did. Because, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's one kind of wordy translation of the Japanese word kaizen that I've heard. You're reminding me of this. Because um, there's the, the sometimes the very direct literal translation of like good change or continuous improvement. I've also heard a wordier version. It's like to take something apart and put it back together again maybe, you know, better than it was, or at least uh, the same. But uh, back to, you know, that that intro class, um, you know, it sounds like, and, I, and I've heard this from a lot of people, right? You know, there, there are certain people that where, where, where lean principles just resonate, but where, where people say, you know what, the, I didn't have the words to articulate things that I apparently felt very deeply. Was that sort of the case for you? Yeah, it was like when I started recognizing like all these, like all the processes and, and the tools and the principles, it was like, that's how I operate on a daily basis. I'm always looking for ways to improve things. In fact, I remember watching, um, when I was just kind of starting out and watching these videos from Paul Akers and he had this one, one of our colleagues who dressed up in an army outfit and I was like, I'm at war with waste. And I was like, okay, dude. Um, but then now thinking about it now, it drives me crazy. Like recycling, for instance, like my wife always makes fun of me. Like when I'm like, Hey, you didn't clean the, like the food particles. They can't recycle this. And she's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Like I can't, I can't, I can't handle waste when I see it. So now when I look back, like back now, like over my, over our marriage and just in my life, like waste bothers me. Like mm-hmm. whenever I see waste in a process or waste period, it's like, ugh. So in that way, it's like I look back and it's just inherently like in me, like who I am. So um, I'm so thankful that like it found me in a way like um, and it, you know, through that process, of course, I found my purpose and then I'm moving in this new direction. But it started with that, with that experience and then like finding that it really resonated with me and who I was from when I was a kid until now and going forward. Yeah. And I think it's better when when we see the waste and hopefully we're in a position to do something about it. Because like as a customer of different organizations, you could see the waste, you could see it might be solvable, but you're not you're not part of it. So in the work that you've done at the standard, like can what's an example of of some waste that you saw that bothered you that you could do something about? Um, well, gee, I'd say like I think for me, what I was challenged with was that there wasn't a lot of, um, like sometimes, you know, continuous improvement movements, like they take a while to, to jumpstart, right? And like in our area, like we had these, um, pieces called idea cards. And so I, what I would say is like the waste I, I noticed was like, um, the waste of like talent, right? Like we weren't getting those ideas like put forward. So we had these vehicles uh, of like creating ideas for like, hey, we have this problem. Um, we know how to solve it. We, we know the root cause. So we're just going to go run an experiment. And here's the expectation. Here's like what, you know, what happened, those kind of things. And so a 
colleague of mine and I came up with this idea. Well, why don't we do a whole like kind of waste walk workshop? What like hmm. nobody from our lean center had this. Like we were just like we just kind of created it organically because we're like, well, we want to see more. We know people have these ideas. Right. Like clearly they're frustrated and they're trying things. So let's create this this um, curriculum or this this workshop um, so people can go through it. So basically what we did is we did this very basic primer on like the eight ways. But they were like, okay, let's go to your desk. Let's have somebody do a walk with you. And you do 15 minutes and walk through a regular process. And they can go, how about this, this, and this? And they can offer you a couple of things of like, I see ways here, I see ways here, I see ways here. And then you can come up with an idea. And so what we saw after that was that we had like 20 cards before that across our operations area. And then like within a week, we had like 37. So it was just like being able to like, do that and like get people that vision that like, hey, you just need to take this little bit of time and you can come up with ideas because you got them. Yeah. So that was like really, really cool to see then go, oh, this vision that we had like actually came up the way we wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you get introduced to the Toyota Kata approach? Was that also at work or was that through your own exploration and learning? Yeah. So where that came from is I, over time, since that time I got introduced to lean, I got myself involved in lots of organizations. Um, in the Northwest, there's a couple ones that have a lot um, of impact here, Northwest HPEC um, and Jennifer Ayers, who's very active mm-hmm. in um, the whole lean community. And then also um, Lean Portland, who um, they're, they've also been in the community for over 10 years. There's like conflicts over the origin story there. Yeah. but um, a mentor of mine who knew about my passion for Lean, she's like, hey, you should go check out Lean Portland. They've got, they're always doing like classes, free classes, you know, and like opportunities to go practice. And I was like, oh, cool. So got in contact. They had a happy hour. I went to the first happy hour at this um, this pub in the area. People were just shooting the breeze about Lean. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. So I got involved with that for probably a year and a half, two years until COVID hit. and then. We were doing these happy hours and different calls, like virtually. And on one of those calls, um, Tracy Defoe was on. And she is, uh, you know, a longtime practitioner of the Toyota Kata, mm-hmm. an OG, you might say. And so she was sharing on one of those calls about the Kata. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And so I was like, could I go to, could I come to one of your calls? I emailed her. And she's like, well, this is kind of more like for people who've been around it, but sure, come and show up. And will be cool. So I showed up and at first I was like, huh, this is interesting language, dojo and some of these other things. I'm like, what are they talking about? Like secret arts here? Um, but I remember like I just kept asking questions. Like I'd get a little more like curious and I just asked like one question, maybe every call or every other call. And um, I just kind of was like, eventually I got to the point where I was like, hmm, I wonder how this would work just in my own like practice because I was looking to get into like a more lean centered role mm-hmm. and I, I kind of got some tips from a coworker about the kata but I never pursued them and so this was kind of like the foyer into that mm-hmm. and so then I was also working with a couple other people who were trying to grow their coaching skills and we had been meeting to like coach each other kind of like a coaching triad yeah uh, Adam Lawrence who you who you yeah. know and another friend of mine Krista Hins and we were like working together. And so we were like, well, how does this kata thing work? So we got in touch with um, Maria Grzynka and then also Julie Simmons and had them like, come on and chat with us. I'm like, hey, can you tell us more about this practice of the kata? Because, you know, you hear about it on these episodes, like these calls, but like you don't like you didn't have that one on one. Yeah. So Julie just broke it down for us. And I was like, man, I could really see myself like practicing this. I definitely want to learn more. So I eventually decided um, this was the end of uh, 2020. And I was like, yep, I want to start doing it and learning it. So I just jumped in, was like, hey, Julie, let's go. And so all last, you know, last year, that's when I jumped in and started learning it. And uh, it's been my jam ever since. Yeah. So you you mentioned Adam Lawrence. He's been a guest here. I just jotted down. uh, I need to reach out to Tracy Defoe and, and, and have her as a guest on here, oh my God. but you know, Sam, you mentioned or you know, in, in your bio, there's this phrase confident learner and what mm. you described of saying, I want to come to this. 
I want to ask questions. Uh, it, it sounds like you were being a confident learner there. Tell, tell us more about that phrase, you know, why, what, why that's an important phrase to you. Yeah, this phrase actually hit home for me when I was, I'm an avid reader, audiobook. I, um, I actually have worked my way up to from like one time speed to one and a quarter, one and a half. Now I'm up to two. Wow. My wife thinks I'm crazy because she thinks it sounds like the Smurfs, but it's my way of not wasting time. Yeah. Um, but I picked up this book that was recommended to me at one of the, the Kata calls, Adam Grant, who's a, you know, like a social science author. And she wrote this book called Think Again. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it and it was just like a mind blower for me. Um, because he was like all the stuff he was talking about was the stuff we talk about in, in the kata is that's the kind of, um, by going through the pattern, you're building someone who's going to be confident in their ability to learn and overcome the challenges that come their way. And Adam, Adam Grant, he talks about this in his book. Like he talks about being a confident learner, a humble learner. Mm. And that just resonated. And I was like, that's who I am. Um, and that's the kind of people that I, that's what I want to coach people to become. Um, and so that just like, was like, yes, that is the, that is the, the language that kind of resonates for me about, again, who I am, mm-hmm. what I want people to become. I don't think it could be said any better for me. And that's an interesting combination of words there to be a confident learner and a humble learner. Uh, Toyota always talks about the importance of leading with humility. And I, I think in terms of leadership, and you know, I want to hear your reactions to this, that to me, a confident leader is not afraid to say, I don't know. Mm. I'm not going to pretend to know the answers. Let's go figure it out together. Let's experiment. Let's figure it out. There's there's some kata type thinking there. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you want to share some other thoughts here about this, this combination of confidence and humility. Yeah, I think the, the leaders that I have the most respect for and have had the best experience with are ones that are like, have a confident, like have a vision for where they want to go, where they want to take the organization or team. And also they're like, I don't have all the answers, right? Like, right. You have the answers, the people who are doing the work. I just need to hear from you, create an environment of like trust and safety so that you feel like you can share where those obstacles and frustrations and challenges are. And then I'm going to do everything in my power to remove those obstacles or try something so that it can be better. And, you know, I've experienced leaders who are that way and leaders that are the opposite, that are very much like the answer is buck stops with me. I've got all the answers mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to hear anything from you. You'll do what I say. Not maybe not even necessarily in words, but in the way that they show up with nonverbal mm-hmm. and then just kind of the underlying passive messages that they send. Um, and so um, I try to show up in a way um, and practice that. It's not always easy, especially like as, you know, even a parent, right? Like having that like, mm, like I don't have all the answers here, um, but let's, we can do this together, right? Like being that kind of, the way you show up in all the areas of your life as a confident learner, I think mm-hmm. um, is powerful, right? I want to demonstrate that to my kids so that like, I love the way that, that Judah shows up, right? Like with his trains and he just, tries an experiment and like he's even using that use that language right like mm-hmm. he'll get frustrated and then he like was like okay and then he tries something different and it works right so like having that like attitude of like experimentation trying something new in fact i i um you know posted about this recently on linkedin about my daughter who she created this whole tiktok channel she got like twelve thousand followers which is or, which is like crazy to me um that somebody at 14 could do that hmm. and then she's like yeah i'm good i'm done i want to try something else <laughs> and i was like okay like sounds good like what are you like she's like this whole new art form i want to try i'm like okay cool like you want to do i had to let go of it for myself because i was like twelve thousand you want to but she was like yeah i want to do this other thing and then uh, we started doing kind of these fun videos together, like some um, dance videos. Like I do these videos every Saturday where I dance and then just kind of like give some inspiration and encouragement. And she's done that a couple of times with me. And then I even have one of my followers is like, 
hey, Serena, you should do like a singing video. So, and she's like, all right. So she created one and we posted about that recently. And so just this whole idea of like, not just like having this, creating a space of like confident learning um, and safety um, at work, but also like wherever we go in our communities, at home, like the people that we're around, how are we showing up or are we showing up in such a way to create that kind of environment and culture? And I look at my, my kids as kind of like, it's happening here. And I'm like, that makes me like happy that they're right. taking that on. And I hope that that continues on. I expect it will as they, as they grow. Yeah. Hopefully there's not some sort of workplace that stifles that. I hope they can find a workplace that continues to nurture the curiosity and the willingness to experiment and to try new things. I really, I really hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope like what, what Sydney, my wife and I are showing them about like trying new things. My wife's a consultant. She jumped off at the beginning of COVID and here I am doing a similar thing. Like I hope we're showing them that like, this is the kind of person like demonstrating to them, being an example of that so that when they get into those spaces, they'll be like, this is my standard for the kind of place I want to work with. This is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of standard that I have. And so I, I, I'm not going to, end up in a place that's like that. Um, ideally, I'm going to be looking for those kind of environments that that cultivate that creativity and that attitude of experimentation. That's great. And uh, you mentioned your daughter. She, yeah, I think you've mentioned before, she helps edit your CI in five videos, right? Yeah. So I took a break for a little bit. Like she was like, uh, I've got school, I got these things. And now we're coming back around where she's like my, where I, I do these short, like, maybe minute long posts, uh, you know, maybe a couple of times a week. And she was, she came up to me like, this was probably, um, you know, maybe a couple of months ago. And she was like, um, dad, you remember how you, like, I used to do those videos for you. And, and, um, I was like, yeah. I was like, can I do that again? I'm like, sure. And, um, so, you know, I pay her a little bit for every episode and she gets the experience. And what's cool is like that had led her to create like, this this channel that she did on TikTok and then now exploring all these other things, right? these other creative outlets that she has. And so now she's she's doing uh, mine and I'm assuming she's going to be getting her channel up and running eventually. She'll be exploring that. So it's really cool to see um, that that she's like embracing that. And it's cool to like offer that opportunity uh, to her. I mean, it helps me like I don't she can spend the time doing that and she's learning something. And we have a way to connect, too, as a father and daughter. So it's like a win all the way around. And she does, does she add the music and the different pop-up graphics and sounds? Right? Yeah. So we kind of changed the software. Like, I changed a different, like, program that I'm using. But she that's the one that she actually, the reason why I'm using this because, like, she used it for her videos. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if this one could help me work better. I was like, actually, I kind of like this better than the one I used before. So now she's like, I just send her like the video and then she knows the the music and I'm like, put the captions this way and the font this way. And then it's interesting because like we've had this whole kind of like feedback loop where she's learning like, Hey, you know, I'd like it like this. This is the kind of thing. And so she's kind of have a like adjust too. And hmm. had to have this conversation of like, uh, you know, sitting out like, Hey, you might have a customer who might want something a little bit different. You've got to be like open to changing. It doesn't have anything to do with like you. It's just like an adjustment to make. And so, there's like lots of cool opportunities uh, of learning for her even now at 14, which I feel like that's going to like build like strength and muscle and that attitude of, you know, being open and learning um, for years to come. Yeah. She's learning, practicing, experimenting. That's that's great experience. And it makes my video seem kind of stodgy <laughs> and old by comparison. I think there's no music. There's no fun graphics and sounds, but that's one thing I've enjoyed. Your, your videos are very um, energetic that way. And, and in addition to what you're saying and what your guests are saying, so I'll encourage people go check those out. And, and here's a clue of how much Sam, dare I say, loves lean. His YouTube channel name is Sam oh, yeah. loves lean. That's right. <laughs> was that that's like, right. was, was that something where you like, Oh, well, yeah, let me just pick something. And then like, Oh, oops. Then, yeah, that's my name now. 
<laughs> well, it's funny because like years ago when I went to school, my passion was radio, still is like radio communication, radio broadcasting. And so when I was looking, like trying to look for jobs, I was like, well, of course you need it. This is even 25 years. It's kind of when, when like emails were starting. Um, and I was like, well, I need a, um, an email that people can like kind of be like catchy. Um, and I was like, well, I love radio and I want to get a job in radio. So Sam loves radio. It's like, Hey, this is this guy, Sam, who loves radio. So when I was like starting to get more passionate about lean and then like looking for opportunities, I was like, huh, well, why don't I just kind of use that same thing? Sam loves lean. Clearly, if you're a Sam out there and you love lean, <laughs> I've got that email taken. Um, but maybe you could do Sam loves lean too or whatever your year is. Um, but yeah, that's where that came from. It's just like I did it before with radio and I have this, this passion for lean. And so that's like the email. And then I was like, well, just make it the, the YouTube channel and it was available. And so now, you know, that's where I, I put, um, you know, a lot of my, my content and, um, you know, some of that will obviously go on the web, my website and, and stuff. So if folks want to check some of that out, there'll be a few, a few little, a few little snippets. The whole kit and caboodle is right there. So Sam's email also then is samloveslean at gmail.com. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate. I can usually grab M. Graven or Mark Graven as a username or an email. Sam Morgan. Yeah. You're like, you would be Sam Morgan 1413X9 or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually with my new, with my new business, I've, I've got that. Like, which I was, I was surprised. Like I was able to get an email for my, my business, Illuminate Coach Sam. And so now that's where I'm like, as I'm jumping off into this new adventure, I'm kind of like switching. In fact, my wife is like, how many emails do you have? Is like, that's the running joke in here. Like I've got like six different emails. She's like, so I should be practicing what I preach around my like emails and all those things. You <laughs> well, know, like I've got like six. So we're going to have to like pair those down. I've got multiple email addresses and they, they all flow into the same place. So it doesn't oh, okay. really matter, but um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully your, you know, your, your, your wife wants you to have one that says Sam loves me dot at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> that would be that that would be good i'm sure i'm sure uh she would appreciate that and i would probably get a fair amount of um email in that inbox yeah so, so that website again illuminatecoach.com um, check out sam's youtube series ci in five so i am gonna like i guess starting now uh, do my best attempt i've watched enough of these i'm not gonna I don't, I don't have your uh, your script memorized. I'm going to ask you to help me out with it. All right. So, um, oh, yeah. so again, CI and five, we're going to ask the question, Sam, are you ready to take on the challenge of describing oh, okay. what continuous improvement means to you in five <laughs> minutes or less and in five words or less? It's kind of like, I'm going to let you say it. It's kind of oh, like. I caught a geek going on a speed date. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of wild, right? Or what we kind of yeah. And actually, it's interesting because like I'm reframing that post, but now uh, that open and close. But you know, maybe maybe down the road we'll we'll revisit that uh, that whole idea because I'm I'm getting other folks on there outside of kind of like the continuous improvement community, like coaches mm -hmm. and other folks who have like we do continuous improvement in all different areas of life, right? And so it's great to hear that. Um, so anyway. Yeah. So that's that has been the opening, but as Sam always says, this is going to be good. Yeah, right, right. Let let's do this, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my CI in five would be constant learning, um, for all, I suppose, because that's what um, you got four words there: confident learning for all. There we go. Um, Cause that's what I want for people. And I feel like, you know, my, my mission is to be a light. That's my purpose. Right. And I want people to understand and know and believe in their value. And if working like ideally, I want people, whether working with me or anybody else to really develop and grow that, because I really believe you can grow that and do it through practice, right. By, by regular practice of doing experiments, you're going to learn that if you don't have to be afraid to fail, mm -hmm. there's not a failure. It's just a learning. Mm -hmm. So it's just 
trying an experiment, um, seeing what you expect, what happens, and what you learn, and then taking that learning and adjusting. And there's so much more to it, of course, but that's like the basics of it. So I confident learning for everybody. Yeah. When you're trying to help people, and you know, you talked about building confidence, whether it's through the practice of kata and Gosh, I love hearing that word practice. That that resonates, you know, with me. We're all uh, practicing this. Do you, do you? This is a bit of a leading question, but I'll ask it this way anyway. Like, do you, do you help people start small? Like, does does this practice start more effectively with small experiments, small steps, just to get people going? Or what's what's your experience? Yeah. So my experience is actually like I love. The pattern that that Mike Rothbard came up with for, uh, with the uh, with the improvement kata, right? It actually starts with having a challenge, right? Like, what's the what's the place I want to go to that I'm trying to go to this dream or vision? Like, if you're in an organization, of course that that's different. It might be something that like your leader or the organization is like handed down. But like personally, what I like to do is like get someone very clear on what's the vision you want to get to in three months, six months, whatever it might be. And get very clear about what that is, like a clear point that you can know how you're doing in relation to, you know, where you're at now and where you want to be. Like if I'm going on a road trip to New York City, like, hey, I'll meet you in New York City. Okay, well, when, like what day, what time, what street? Um, like we need the specifics. So like get clear on that and have a reason like why. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should be aligning with, you know, your purpose, yeah. right? Like you should have a clear purpose and that would align with that. And then, you know, the next step, of course, is to understanding where you're at currently, grasp your current condition, like, where are you at now? And be honest with it, right? Like, we're not like, um, like, oh, I wish it was a no, we need to understand where we are now. So we know, like, what, what the distance is between here and there. Yeah. Um, I think of the phrase honesty over performance, right? Like, if you're running a process, or you're doing something, like, be honest with where it's at. And that's how you're going to improve. And then the next thing is setting uh, like a target condition, like a mini goal, like, uh, like a couple of weeks out potentially. And then you're running the experiment to get to that, that target that's in line with your challenge, right? On your way to your challenge. And then you're identifying obstacles or things that are getting in your way. And then that's where you're doing your little experiment, right? So like we have that first part that's really called the planning phase, which, you know, um, if you're anything like me or most folks, we get we want to jump to that action part. We want to jump to those experiments, but really the experience experiments aren't gonna be meaningful unless we actually like get the vision, understand where we're at now, that little goal. Then we start going, we identify the obstacles that are in our way, and then we just start running those little experiments. I think of it as the picture that I've given that has resonated with a lot of folks is like I've done half marathons. Mm-hmm. Never done a full marathon. Someday I will. That's like on my bucket list. I'd like to go to the Boston Marathon. We'll see. Um, but like, obviously I'm not getting from the start line to the finish line in one step. Like that's like, whoa, we're not going to do that. Right. We take one step at a time and along the way, things are going to come up. You know, you might have like a side cramp, right? Like you might feel a burst of energy, right? Like rain might be coming down a tree branch might fall on the road and like, you're going to have to adjust your plan and try mm-hmm. something. So that's how I think of, um, helping someone, um, is that process right there in that picture. I think is that helps me think of it at least in in a more tangible way. Yeah. Well, that, that Toyota Kata structure and framework um, is really helpful in so many different settings. I mean, how, how do you apply that as, as you're starting your coaching business? I do you, how do you define your challenge and your target condition or challenges and Mm. target target conditions? Well, it's funny because like there's a whole story behind these for, my time, my timer's going off. Sorry to interrupt, but see, CI and five would be really hard. This is more like CI and fifty, so we can keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so for me, like it all started um, at Kodakon, right? Like where I was coming to like share my experience. I I had a year's worth of coaching where I worked with different people, and I was sharing about this message of the power of having different perspectives. You know men, women, people of color, like all that, and like how that helped with learning. Like I learned so much more because I had different perspectives. So I was sharing uh, a message there about that. But the real like breakthrough moment for me was when I was sitting at the table and uh, Mark Rosenthal and Tilo Schwartz were sharing this message about challenges, right? And like write down challenges that you're having, like a personal and professional one. 
And so I'll never forget it. Like I wrote this, this thing down on my paper and I wrote, I don't have confidence to charge for coaching. Like that's what I wrote down on that oh. paper. And I had this, it was that moment where your, your body like tingles, like all the way down, like the spine, you get that like, whoo. And it was like, my body was telling me, this is something that you need to investigate. So later that for the, 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 the next two days, as I was there at Katakan, I was just talking, conversing with people, kind of sharing this, asking them questions about their practice. And that night, that Friday night, I went back to my room and I was looking at my email box and I had applied for a continuous improvement position at a small financial firm in San Francisco and I had three interviews, felt really good. Hey, I'm an analyst at a financial firm. I'm continuous improvement, getting all the good vibes. And of course, I get the rejection email. Mm. And so that night out, I went out with um, a lot of the Kata crew, including your friend of mine, DeAndre Wardell. Yep. And we just felt like it was great community, great encouragement. Um, and Mike Rother was there, Julie Simmons, lots of these other folks, Tracy. And we just had great conversation. And the next morning, I sat on, on the beach. And I was like, what do I want people who I work with, what do I want them to feel? What do I want them to like look like? What's that picture? And the thing, like I wrote it down. I remember sitting on the beach, you know, waves coming in. It was beautiful, beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. And the real piece that I wanted to feel was that worthy piece. And as I left the next day, I went on, or that later that day, I went on a plane. And I was listening to this book, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, and she quotes um, Joseph Campbell, who's written about the hero's journey and, and many other things people might be familiar with. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And that was like, that was like, yeah. that was like the punch right there to me. Like, whoo, like that me, like this whole, this weekend um, has led to this. And I need to enter that cave. Like I've got all this fear coming up about like, oh, asking all these questions. Like, can I do it? So I knew right then and there I had to pursue this, like coaching. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I came home, shared that with my wife, Sydney, and was like, I need to do this. And I want a coach to help me move out into that space. So I contacted uh, Julie Simmons. She was retiring. She's like, work with Gemma Jones, who's mm -hmm. another one of my favorites. And so we started working together. And I set a challenge for myself. I want to have, by July 18th, I want to have like a process for... um how, like, I want to know clearly what I, my strengths are, who my customers are, and, like, have a consistent process for reaching out to people and have two clients, like, by then so that I can, like, jump off on my own. Well, it's a process, just like everything else. It was learning, right? Like, and through that process, like, I came to a point where I was just, after, like, two and a half months of doing daily cycles, I was feeling this weight on me. And I wasn't showing up great. Um, like I just wasn't feeling good physically. Like I was doing all these experiments, trying to figure out how to show up on LinkedIn, trying to do all these things. And I just like, I could sense like anger in me. I could sense all the stress in me. And I remember sitting down at a park and reflecting on it. I was doing the summary reflection, which you do after each time you do a target condition and how I had really had been putting the performance ahead of the learning like i hadn't really embraced this whole idea of this whole idea of the kata is about the learning it's not about like hey like if the past failed mm -hmm. that's not what it's about and i had to go through two and a half three months of like doing experiments on my own to jump and start my own coaching business to learn that freaking thing <laughs> so my phrase at the end was it's about the learning damn it it's about the learning mm -hmm. like that's what i need to get through my head and that's what again i want for folks that I coach, I want them to be able to go through the process that I take them through. And obviously, I want them to move closer towards their goal. Of course, you want to do that. But in the end, I want them to understand, like, get the pattern down, but more importantly, get that mindset change to being one of a confident learner. Yeah. A confident learner who practices. And it's funny, you know, it's funny. Um, you, you might say you have a coaching practice, therefore, you are practicing the coaching, you are practicing and experimenting with the things that it takes to build, build and grow and sustain a business. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's like, you know, early on here, just being able to work with folks and like, Hey, this is my process now. 
and like asking for feedback, like what's working, what's most valuable for you here. And then using that so that I can really make this the most valuable time um, for folks, right? Getting that feedback from them. And that's been really helpful, especially as I've been just starting and like getting that feedback. Like even in the first couple of weeks, I got like great feedback that was like, oh, like I got some ideas that was like, oh, I can like create some more content here that's going to be more valuable for the people that I work with because of X, Y, Z. Right. And that's where if you're not also being a humble learner, you're going to be dismissive of feedback or improvement opportunities. You'd say, well, I got this all figured out. Nah, none, none, none of us have it all figured out. No, no. And that's it. Like being humble, I think being confident and humble. And I think that that like a confident learner is humble. You know, I feel like like because you can't be someone who's learning like you're not going to be a learner if you're if you're arrogant. Right. Right. Like um so like i just think that those aren't that's not good you're going to be like closed down to um other suggestions or even learning on your own and like learning from the things that you try yourself so that's definitely uh true yeah so i'm going to change directions a little bit and i want to ask you sam about the t-shirt you're wearing today and and for context like in in the the ci and five videos sam's always wearing a different shirt one recently said um uh, this is, did it say this is going to be great? It was one of your phrases that you, you always say, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, says, you, you can do this. Yeah, you can do this. Yeah. Um, now, uh, before we talk about this specific t-shirt, have you ever worn the same t-shirt twice in the series? Oh my what? God. That's so funny. I, you know, it's funny. I, I try to, like, I actually have like in my, if I give you a picture of my closet, like I actually order them like first in, first out, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have like an order, like, and I try to like do it so like I don't wear the same thing. Um, but I do try to go back and look, okay, what have I worn recently on an episode where like, so that I don't repeat myself too often, but I've definitely repeated over time. Um, but the, the selection is great. But the thing about that is, and like the shirts will become older and so they're going to have to like be recycled or given away. Um, so yeah, it's a rotation. You're inevitably going to be given or uh, opportunity to get other T-shirts that are meaningful to you. So the the collection will will ebb and flow. But this T-shirt that you're wearing, um, you you wear a lot of T-shirts that have uh, a message or I'm sure what's a meaningful message for you. So I'm going to narrate just real quick for those who are listening to the podcast. Those on YouTube are like, yeah, we see the shirt. But uh, there are uh, a number of uh, fists. Um, You would say that fist is is recently uh, pretty associated with let's say the black lives matter movement and and logo right yeah yeah absolutely and, and but there are there's a, a blue fist a pink fist a yellow fist a black fist and a kind of repeating you know sort of sequence so long-winded way of teeing up like what 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 what's the message of of that shirt and why is it important to you well i'd say the message of the um shirt is like unity uh, resistant. Um, I think that that, that's it right there in a nutshell. And, um, the reason why it's so important to me is, you know, um, as the husband of an African American woman and we have, and three children who are, um, you know, biracial, like this, um, idea of having, um, all people have the same opportunity in our world and we know that that is not the case um if we look at the data and the statistics yeah uh, there's there's a a gap um, from the ideal to the current reality absolutely right yep so um i even i think uh like the things that always stand out to me are like the wealth gap it's just absolutely ridiculous like i think white households have like 10 times more um actual um net worth than um, people of color. And I'm, I know that there's like certain groups, I think it's African-Americans and then mm-hmm. even lower for Latin, like Latinx community and different things. We can do some fact-checking. But I know it's right around that um, space. And then in terms of like incarceration, it's absolutely off the chart and disproportionately statistically, ridiculously. Mm-hmm. And so I think about that and I and, and I think about my my wife's experience, my friends of color's experience, um, and then the experience that, that has happened for my kids and, and also could be in the future. And m- me as a m- white 
middle class male, knowing all that, and then turning my back on it is just um, would be turning my back on myself, right? It would not be in alignment with my purpose to be a light. And so it has meaning to me, like, very deeply, personally. Sure. And to be honest with you, like, like this really came to a head. I think it was even, it was even before like the 2020 with the George Floyd murder and the start of kind of the rise of the Black Lives Matter at that time. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I were having this conversation about the work she does. My wife is a consultant in um, the restorative justice space. She also does diversity, equity, and inclusion work, um, consulting and doing workshops and things of that nature. And um, we were talking about the work that she was doing and how I was I was like, hey, you know, babe, like I've really supported you in this, like all over these years, I've always been there for you. And and she's like, um, yeah, but what about yourself? What about your journey? Like, where have you gone like to like do that work? Like, what's the personal meaning to you? Not like me. I know you support me, but what about for yourself? And that was really the start for me of like, oh damn. Yeah, I've gotta like look inside myself and is this like do I really see what's going on as a problem? And does, is that having an emotional impact on me? And is it something that I'm going to take action on um, to make, make an improvement in that space? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, generally, I mean, gosh, just because a problem doesn't affect me personally, that doesn't make it not a problem, right? So I could use right. like patient safety detour for a minute. The fact that I have not been harmed or killed by a medical error doesn't mean medical error doesn't exist. And these are systemic medical errors that happen across countries, different countries. So the fact that um, you know racism and other forms of discrimination don't affect me. I can't deny that they exist. I haven't lived through that. Yeah. But I can I but I need to learn more from from people who have and, and not be in denial of it. And I think that that circles around to kind of the beginning of our conversation where we talk about like what resonated for me around lean was uh, obviously the continuous improvement, but the respect for people and as practitioners of, you know, continuous improvement and lean, like I would challenge anyone who practices that and calls himself a practitioner and doesn't do the respect for people piece. Like, Oh yeah, I did all these like cool things to improve this process, but you leave the people, leave the people out of it. And like, even like, and like, like thinking about these issues, like, Help me understand how you can um, how you can like basically align those two things. Like I'm a lean practitioner, but these things that people are saying, like the voice of the customer, the people who are experiencing it, that's actually not valid. That'd be like saying to your customers, like, hey, you know, like all those defects that you saw in our product, like actually that's that's like that's just your like that's your experience, like that's not. I'm not like, it's been all fine for me. Right. Like, there's no problem. Stop, stop like, exaggerating about these defects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your problem? Right. Um, right. You know, so I think for me, that's like where I get challenges is like seeing practitioners who like say this and then do this other thing. Like their attitude is, is different. It doesn't seem to me to be in alignment with the values that they mm-hmm. espouse. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a challenge for me when I see that. Well, there's the phrase respect for people, respect for humanity, um, the Shingo Institute, the Shingo model says in a more active way, respect each individual, or might, the word might be every, but same idea, like actively respecting. Mm. Um, and, and I appreciate what you said about figuring out what you can do. And that challenges me to think more about what I can do. And, and, and so one thing I want to ask you about, and I preface it by saying, um, I will admit, if you look back across the 15, 16 year history of this podcast, um, there, there's, there's a representation gap and, and I've tried to be better about this. I've been more intentional about it with the, my favorite mistake podcast of making sure, you know, half my guests are women and that there's, you know, proportional, 
representation, you know, guests who are people of color. And so I, I appreciate, if not admire, one thing you've talked about in our Lean Communicators group meetings of what you've done recently with the CI and Five podcast in terms of who you're inviting. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, early on, probably after the first um, maybe 10, you know, features that I did with that, and I was talking with my wife, you know, about this. And, um, you know, we were talking about some of these these challenges. It was right again, right around this time of, you know, it was the kind of the these conversations about, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the Black Lives Matter, like those kind of conversations were surfacing. And we were like, we were having those conversations before, but like they were kind of surfacing even more. And I remember we were going on this walk um, one day, it was like May 2020, I think, somewhere around that time. I remember that's when we were doing these walks. And, and she was like, well, you're talking about all these like things, like, but how are you taking and, and like being intentional about this in your, mm-hmm. the things that you're doing in your practice and your, um, the way that you're showing up and, you know, work and social media and those kind of things. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, how can I do that? And I started thinking about, well, why couldn't I be intentional about that? And, and the CI and five videos. So at that point in time, I was like, I want to make this, um, be about like, those women, like women of color, especially because when you look on stage, like who do you see at these lean conferences? Like we know who we see. Um, do we see a 50 50 split of women and men? Do we see a proportional, like a, a folks of color, LGBTQ, neurodiverse? Do we see these different communities represented so we can get these different perspectives? And you know, the answer we know is no, we do not. And That's so exactly. how can I myself have an impact on that? Like, you know, like in my world, in my sphere, like obviously I'm not changing the whole thing, but like what can I do in my world to, to do that? So I was very intentional for like, um, I don't even know how many episodes to just like focus on women of color mm-hmm. and now uh, and just have exclusively those because I was like, I want to give those women a voice as best as I can. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, as I've kind of moving into this, this space and um engaging with different folks in different communities. It's um, giving folks who have like, maybe like who are in unrepresented groups. Like I did, I had a gentleman on recently who was in like the autism um, community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having other folks um, who are in underrepresented, underrepresented communities, like folks who do um, that maybe live on a different continent that have like some other um, organizations that don't get as much light shed on them. Like, that's what I want to do is shine light on those communities and, and needs that aren't, um, aren't like typically like ones that are going to get all the, the public attention, but are worth worthy of that attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that, that's what's like kind of started that, um, movement in me is to like yeah. be intentional at shining light on people that don't normally have that light shown on them. Yeah. And, 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 and that's great. And, it, you know, and it goes to show and, and, whether we're hiring or choosing finding guests for podcasts so like getting outside of our network of people um, when pe- if people complain i can't find candidates who are women or i can't find black candidates or like i know someone on um, linkedin who was tired she was tired of hearing people complain i can't find black speakers so what did she do she created a website that's a directory of guess what black speakers Right. So you can go and let you, you, you know, p- uh, people can make it easier. Uh, we, we, you know, putting in the effort um, is is worthwhile. Right. So, again, like I, I preface this. I'm, I'm not trying to seem defensive. I'm, I'm not perfect on these things. But so finding guests for my favorite mistake, my potential guests are basically the world. Right. So I can. It's not harder. I mean, I can I can make the effort of, of finding um, a representative group of guests. One thing that's, I think, a bit of a challenge in the lean community, and you know, when we talk about this, you, you've touched on this, there aren't a lot of black faces, um, people of color on stage, but even look around when you're in the uh, at- attendees, there are not a lot of black people in attendance. Yeah. Deon- our friend DeAndre Wardell has reflected and shared many times, she might be the only uh, black woman in the at, at the event. 
all together. And that that makes that makes me pause because I I that's not anything close to an experience I've 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 always had. So as we we try yeah. to figure out, and here's I'm gonna to try to frame it as a question. I'm rambling here, but when we look at let's say systemic causes of mm. patient harm, we could think of systemic causes of inequity, we could use the term systemic racism. People get upset and say, well, it, acknowledging that there is systemic racism does not mean the people running these lean events are quote unquote racist. Right. But there are systemic um, barriers to more representation. So this is a, uh, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts around how we we could look to systemic causes without blaming individuals and and, and try to find some some systemic uh, countermeasures. Yeah, I think that's and this is a this is um, question that that I asked like when I went to Katakan, right? And I shared about the power of like perspectives and asking people like, hey, let's not like when I finished, I was like, this isn't just like oh a nice philosophical question. Let's like. Now we'll go pat each other back, have a night, have a beer, and then let's, let's leave. No, this is actual, like, where do we go from here mm-hmm. question, right? Like, what is a little step we can do from here? And so, uh, you know, I encourage people to, to chat with me later. And so I had, like, a handful of people afterwards who were, like, communicated with me either there or, or like, on LinkedIn or whatnot. And were like, hey, I want to be a part of this. Like, what can we do? And I was like, well, let's, what, what can we do? So that we got together and we started, like, well, if we're doing practicing what we preach, like we need to understand, like what's our challenge? Mm-hmm. Where are we at now? Like what do we want? What do we want it to be like? So right. over the last you know few months, we've been meeting uh, on a semi regular basis, like just like reviewing those things, and then like what are the ways that we can um, build a community that's more like welcoming and accepting um, for folks in those underrepresented communities, whether it's you know. Uh, people of color and the LGBTQ, neurodiverse, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, folks with disabilities, visual or um, physical or, or otherwise, like, how can we um, create a space where those folks feel welcome so that they will show up on a regular basis in, like, specifically, like, in our community in the Kata community, but, like, you can you can take that more broadly. So we've been working on that challenge to try to understand, like, currently, like, sending out like we want to have these little community meetings, like sending out a survey, like what's our, to get an understanding, like what's our demographic, like here, so we can go from here. We want it to be like this. Here's where it is. And then like, we're going to be taking like little steps to like help us um, hopefully see a change in our community groups. We'll see more women of color, people of color, people of these different underrepresented groups show up. So it's just like practicing what we preach. Yeah. Right. Like on the challenge itself and then take little steps to do it because mm-hmm. we're not going to like turn it overnight, but we will make a change if we're intentional with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a problem a long time in the making due to overt yeah. discrimination, yeah. theft of wealth um, that has happened over time, um, to, to, to people of color. And, you know, I mean, you know, Sam, you know, one, one thing you make me think of is, you know, uh, we, we, we can be welcoming, we can go and invite people. Um, but you know, how do we expand the pool? I mean, here's a, a question I would pose. I would love to have data around this. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at who companies choose to be in continuous improvement roles or, you know, so if people of color or people in other groups are underrepresented in continuous improvement roles, if they're underrepresented in leadership roles, guess what? They're probably going to be underrepresented at a lean conference that draws on CI people and leaders, right? Yeah, it's really um, kind of like a sad scenario and to your point like how can we make that um where, where can we find the folks because uh, to your point like it's not like people aren't out there looking for um opportunities or um like they don't want to be in these roles right so where are they like and why are we not going to where they're at why aren't we being intentional mm-hmm. with with doing it and like that i mean that that obviously takes more looking at from specific organization, um, like, and, you know, why that's happening. But yeah, the, the question remains. 
So maybe that's a challenge um, to the listener. And I will say to the listener, if you are still listening, thank you for not hitting pause or hitting fast forward and stomping away from this podcast episode in a huff saying like, that's not related to lean. Why are we talking about? So thank you um, to, to those of you who are still listening. I hope it's not many people who would have said, nope, skip, move on. Um, I appreciate you um, leaning into listening and we don't have all the answers, but there's a challenge maybe for all of us to try to figure out, figure out what we can do. So, um, Sam, let, you know, to, before we wrap up, and you know, again, we've we've been talking with uh, with Sam Morgan, and he is the host of CI in Five. You can find that on uh, YouTube. You can also find it at LeanCommunicators.com. Uh, Sam is again part of that kind of networking and learning and practicing group of podcasters and YouTube uh, video creators um, that we call Lean Communicators. So you can find Sam's videos and this podcast and and others on leancommunicators.com. Uh, Sam's website is illuminatecoach.com. And maybe a final topic here, you know, as you're coaching, as you're figuring out ways to help people, what, what is, you have a program called Illuminate You. Um, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so this is one that I'm super, super stoked about. And um, so the program is all about changing your mindset. Like if you're really struggling, like you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or like a leader and you know, Hey, you want to go out and do this, this, you have this vision of this cool product you want to do or service that you want to do, but you've just been kind of like held back by fear. So what this is going to do is really, um, help teach you a new way to think, um, through this practice of the daily coaching with the, with the improvement kata. But we start with, in that first week, we start with getting a clear picture of your purpose. Hmm. Uh, because if you if you can work towards a vision, but if it's not aligned with who you are, like in your reason for being, then as you go there, it's not going to be a pull. It's not going to be moving you forward. Um, and so I, I take that, that first week of daily coaching to really like actually do some cool, fun activities to draw that out literally. And, and then and then ask questions to help get the the thought going and get that that uh, more clear. Um, and then the next week, introduce folks to the the pattern and get clear the reasons why, like we do this, and do some activities to kind of get um, them used to that um, that way of operating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I was working with you, then we'd go and say like, "Hey, let's let's get clear on our challenge, right?" Then we go through. Then we just start going for the next two months. We work every day together, you know, the five days a week, and work towards that challenge. We get cleared the challenge. And we talk about, we do the same process, right? Mm-hmm. Understand our current condition, get the target condition, and then like do some experiments towards that. And in the end, move you closer to where you want to be uh, towards that vision. But more importantly, again, change that way of thinking than being one of a confident learner. That's what we want you to do when you're done. Understand that you have, you feel that confidence and like, yeah, I can do this. I got this. You got this. And you mentioned, you talked earlier about the cave that you fear going into, right? Yeah. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So to have the confidence to enter that dark cave Mm -hmm. requires some illumination. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. That makes sense. Illuminatecoach.com, illuminate you. And, uh, as I've heard you say in your video, Sam, your purpose of being a light will help people navigate that dark cave. Or if we don't enter that mm. dark cave, we can't navigate it. So um, I think I, 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 I think I see uh, some of the connections between the the words and, and the phrasing that you're using. That's very powerful. Yeah. The uh, ever since I went through a coaching cohort many two years ago with Karen Ross for this whole and, and Katie Anderson, I got this, I, I like drawing out your purpose. Like a lot of the origin of this program comes from some of those things that I learned in this idea of being a light. A lot of that reflection happened through that process and then working with, with Karen. But like during that time where I was uncovering my purpose, being a light, like a lot of those phrases of like warmth and security and hope and guidance. Um, like I just think of like, um, uh, a lighthouse or a fire or a flashlight 
or a match or all these different things that light comes in different forms and what it means. Like they're, well, as I show up as a coach, that's how I want the people that I work with to feel. Sometimes it's going to be that the fire, that passion. Sometimes it's going to be like that lighthouse, like hope. Sometimes it's going to be like a flashlight. Like there's going to be guidance right along the way. But all in all, like I definitely want to be that light so that they, like you said, I think you said it beautifully, so that they can feel like they can walk into that cave and 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 not necessarily not feel fear, but feel confident enough that I can make it through to that next step and it's going to be okay. Facing the fear as opposed to hoping the fear magically goes away. That's very helpful idea there. So again, we've been joined today by Sam Morgan. Sam loves lean. So look on YouTube, Sam loves lean. Um, His email again is Sam loves lean at gmail.com and uh, check out his website, illuminate coach. Dot com. So, Sam, thank you um, for, for being a guest here today on uh, CI in 60, I think. <laughs> CI in 60-ish. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. And um, so just to note, too, like the because I'm moving out into this new space, like I've got a new email. So that Illuminate Coach Sam um, at gmail.com is uh, the best way to go um, to get in touch. But, of course, you can always LinkedIn. I'm there every day. So you can certainly feel free message me there and I'd be happy to, to chat. Um, um, come check out the fun videos, the inspirational, informational. Like I just, I love, and I love the community there. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Like I've met so many cool, cool people there. So um, yeah. And it's been, it's been great to be here with you today, Mark. You were one of the, you know, many great friends and folks that I've, I've met there along this journey of the last years. And I, I feel very blessed um, to have this opportunity to, to chat with you today. And then every single person, I think it is an honor. Anytime take anybody take like a moment to comment or watch a post or listen to this, there is literally an infinite number of things minus this one thing you're doing right now that you could be doing, but somehow you chose to listen to these two goofy white guys right here or to watch this goofy guy or, or read his post. I, so I feel like honored and blessed when people do that. Well, thank you. And I've, I've really appreciated and enjoyed getting to know you um, the last couple of years through the Lean Communicators Group and um, otherwise. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest here. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Sam for being with us today. For links to his website and more, uh, look in the show notes in your podcast app or you can go to leanblog.org slash 457. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.